Brothers and sisters, that was so perfect, right? Uh, happy, birthday. <laughs> happy physical. Uh, her and uh, Miles Davis shared the same birthday, but you didn't know that. <laughs> happy, all right, uh, happy birthday, uh, Miles Davis. Anyhow, welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. This is the Appeal, aka Walker's Appeal. I am Oz Bryan, and my co host, I'm Williams. From Tom Bay Coleman F. Betty Boo. <laughs> Shout out to Cindy Ashby. Uh, the whole entire On the Wake Up Radio family. Uh, remember, don't forget to check us out on OTWTUBE. That's OTWTube. On the Wake Up Tube.com. That's where you can find us. Check us out, please. Uh, like the content. Again, we're trying to create a, a free, independent uh, uh, media source, media outlet right here. Uh, if you want to call in, that number is 844-818-4433. That number again is 844-818-4433. Man, Rob, how did you be, brother? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Updated my... Too bad. It wasn't too good. No, it was... As long as... Just what you deserve. Yes. <laughs> what I deserve. All right. Um, man, another... This week, uh, you know, sometimes the like 24 hours ain't enough, mm. uh, but we push forward. Uh, you know, we, we move in the spirit of Sankofa, which is the you know the foundation of our show here, uh, the appeal, and we always look back to look forward. You know, our history, if you understand your history, kind of explains the present and better informs how you should move as you move forward into the future. Um, uh, we got a, a great show lined up for you today. Some interesting topics. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if Cindy knew it was on her birthday, or that was the chance, or, or that was planned. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyhow, uh, yeah, it's been one year since, uh, man, I mean, time flies. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. I had no idea, and brother. I, I had no idea. That was the ancestors. That was one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, um, yeah, but, but, but George Floyd. I, cause I'm surprised that that the you know they convicted him that quickly. That's what I started thinking about. Like, damn, that was a really quick trial. Well, they they had to get it to trial as soon as they could. The court would they couldn't have people streets that long. They think they realized real quick that this wasn't going to go away. Yeah, that is anything else that was going on. Yeah. Uh, so we we're gonna be examining, uh, you know, one year which changed since uh, George Floyd, R I P R I me, rescue me, George Floyd, uh, the politics of a black Superman, um, the leverage of Israel. Right? <laughs> uh, they actually have a ceasefire. We didn't. Uh, there's been um, uh, war in the Middle East. <laughs> Shocking. I mean, <laughs> Again, shocking, exactly. And then also this week, um, uh, James Foreman delivered the Black Manifesto, uh, which is a, a call for reparations from the, the church, the white church's establishment and the, the synagogue establishment for their part and participation in, in, in slavery, requesting $500 million back in 1969. And I thought that was interesting because last week we were just talking about how uh, the uh, Congressional Black Caucus in its first iteration back in 71 under the chairmanship 
of Charles Dick Jr., uh, the, the congressman for black America, <laughs> um, also requested, uh, uh, I guess, reparations in a way, right? Reform yeah. of Richard Nixon. I mean, so, you know, it just reminds me like the 60s and 70s is really a time. I think I, I might have been born at the wrong time. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, well, hey, you want to... <laughs> It's more necessary when nobody else is working on it. Or I can't say nobody else, but efforts, <laughs> yeah, are, yeah. efforts are more diluted in a way. Or they're not as... They, there's there's a lot of people out there working on different things and a lot of different good things. But the media has found it's better not to focus on it so much. Or when they do focus on it, it they've gotten better at how they control the messaging. Yeah. Which is why we have on the Wake Up Radio right here. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug. Also, um, this week we remember the Tallahassee bus boycott. Uh, you know, and again, not, not many people remember that. You know, Ashley, which was uh, uh, spurred on by two students from Florida A and M. Florida A and M, fam, you stand up. My cousin went to fam, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so it's back to university. Two sisters who didn't want to give up their seats and and led to, uh, the second integrated bus. Uh, system in the South after, of course, uh, uh, Montgomery. Uh, also, this week, we remember the betrayal of Denmark, D.C. Um, uh, when I got, when I had the good fortune to, to go to Charleston a few years back and visit uh, his memorial, uh, Denmark, D.C., you know, I, I always remember those who struggled. Um, uh, even if they, especially the ones who, who gave their life, right? The idea is not that. Oh, yeah. It's not about necessarily succeeding in the conventional sense, but they understand they they're, they're the reason why there's a spirit of of, uh, of freedom, uh, a spirit of um, uh, denial of the status quo, right? Not just accepting things the way they are, even if the even if the world tells you that you're you're, you're wrong or you're out of out of line, you know. Um, this common decency, he saw himself as a human being, so we'll be discussing that, and also. Uh, uh, this is the 100th anniversary. Uh, again, that's why we had the discussions down on Capitol Hill of the Tulsa, Oklahoma riot. Massacre, I shouldn't say riot. No, that's not a riot. Massacre. So that's an ongoing discussion that happened this week. So, um, yeah, brother. So let's, 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 let's take it from this, this topic of Black Superman. I know, Rob, you, you wanted to, to touch on this. So what, what were your thoughts? And you, what inspired this uh, this topic for you today? Well, they were throwing around the idea of actually J.J. Uh, Abrams is being moved over to D.C. Um, to, and one of the projects he wanted to work on was making a black Superman, uh, recasting a black actor and bringing. Uh, they've had black Superman before, like, and I don't mean like Steel and Shaq because those were like different iterations different of different characters. They wanted to. Not Clark Kent, but and not the black version of him, like the other world version of him. This was going to be our classic Clark Kent, but he was going to be a black. Dude. So, I think it's it's interesting, but I don't know if I would want that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I would say like you know, <laughs> so uh, we're all overexposed. I like to say, and um, mm-hmm. I'm a big James Bond fan. I don't say that too much in public. <laughs> I don't Why? Huh? Why? What's wrong with James Bond? Uh, there's too many white influences that we have. We're, we're growing up as little kids to look at white folks and say, ooh, look at what he's doing. And we don't have enough black experience like that. So therefore, I don't like to say that I'm still existing in that a little bit. And so that's why I <laughs> That's why. <laughs> and uh, I know there was talk about bringing a Jeep Elba would be mm-hmm. the first black James Bond. And I disagree with that. Right, I don't want to be yeah. the black version of any white creation, and yeah. so I, I would disagree with that for this same reason here too. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, give um, you can create something new, yes, that has the same effect, but it's new and original. Uh, you don't have to be like. Well, it's a uh, chance to create something on your own terms as well. If J.J. Yeah. J. Abrams really wanted to do what he said, well, what he claims, and, and make it like a powerful statement or make it, you know, actually mean something to add diversity to comics, 
which are already pretty diverse. If you actually, if you are a comic books fan and you're into it, you know, you, you've already heard the arguments, you know. But I, JK uh, Jason shouldn't be making that argument. I, again, that's the problem. Why is why is he the making the decision? <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that, that's disenfranchising in and of itself. Well, that's uh, the whole problem behind a lot of this. It's the problem with the whole current culture war is that it's the people who are supposedly being represented aren't even waging the war. This is an internal struggle on the side of uh, neoliberalism eating itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I'd be I'd be a liar if I didn't say part of me finds it fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay, it, it couldn't happen to better people. It really couldn't. <laughs> they're despicable and they're they're eating their own, and it's awesome. You know, I feel bad for the normal people caught in the crossfire, and the rest of us who actually do enjoy, you know, comics and stuff. But yeah, that's corporatism yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, um. I remember reading uh, Amos Wilson, and he talked about the importance of comics. So the option, so so his argument was against the children. Again, this is, and he, again, um, he thought, the book I'm referencing is The Developmental Psychology of the Black Child. And uh, he references the importance of comic books. Of course, he's writing it at a point in time when comics were at their height. Yeah. You know, probably even before our childhood, you know? We're talking mm-hmm. about the 70s, the, the, or like early, early, early 80s. Um, some of my first books, I mean, not counting like early readers and Dr. Seuss and crap, were comics. Spider-Man but, and Batman. But he, argues, he makes the argument that um, the idea of Superman is psychologically dangerous. Uh, because oh, he sure. teaches uh, young black kids that you look at what the white people can do. He can jump tall buildings. He can, he can, he can move the sun. <laughs> and that in itself, even though aspirational, is unhealthy when that person doesn't look like you. And then I remember having a conversation with a, a brother by the name of Munir Asia. Uh, he was running for Senate out there. And he said how um, his parents never allowed him to watch TV. And I was like, you know, that's actually not that great. So he's not exposed to these uh, 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 white saviors, uh, but that means he, he's not allowed to experience his full creativity either, right? In some ways. It depends on what other media he is exposed to. And well, I would say okay. that... Mm-hmm. Good. Good. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, to take it back a little bit, it, it's... the One, the reason Superman was made, you had two Jewish immigrants who wanted to have a figure that made them feel powerful and fit in to American society. So they, the, it's not even a debate whether or not these characters and these mythical figures have that impact. People have known that how this works for literally thousands of years. <laughs> okay, this isn't new science. This is old technology. <clears throat> so we know these kinds of impacts. It can motivate entire societies. That's how myths work. But it's not that having just a Superman is bad for society. It's having that Superman in a vacuum. So if there's no counterbalance, there's, there's no other represented in that culture, then that becomes a monoculture, which is how it's been used and viewed for a lot of people. So I can see the argument. I mean, there's tons of black Superman fans who, you know, don't feel that it's affected them in that way. Well, that's a purpose. You're not supposed to know it's affecting you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's uh, the idea of a white Jesus. It's exactly. Literally just he's anyhow, a white Jesus in cartoon form. Jesus, and you, anyhow, you see a white dude, you say he, oh, he looks like Jesus. You, you're, you're affected. <laughs> you're affected. <laughs> you see well, do you think? That, well, <laughs> uh, he looks like Jesus. You're affected. Well, that's why the Islamic <laughs> faith. I mean, the Muslims decided, all right, so there'll be no depictions of their prophet. Exactly. So you couldn't have that same kind of influence, maybe. <laughs> Which is why Elijah Muhammad started the Nation of Islam around Islam, because there is no depiction. Therefore, you can make him black in your mind. And that's the, that'd be that. Bilal, uh, Bilal in, in, in Islamic text, is a black man. I mean, he's described as a black man. He's the one who teaches our Prophet Muhammad to be biased. I mean, so this, this is uplifting to young black kids. But my point is about the. Uh, but you Asia, can do that today. I mean, I would rather have, instead of, you know, a black Superman, because then. You're forever known as the Black Superman. That's not Superman. 
It's not yeah, everybody, exactly. everybody in the entire culture already. No, that's that's not Clark. <laughs> you know, that's not Superman. It, but if you had someone like Hancock, which was an original character, if that had been further developed, then people would realize, okay, here's a superhero character that stands on their own merit, with their own backstory, their own history. You get to actually yeah. develop them. And people across the board would be attracted to that character the same way. But back to what I was saying about uh, uh, my brother Munir saying how he wasn't allowed to watch TV. And you said uh, it depends on what other outlook he has. But that's still a deficiency because if everybody, if somebody else, another <clears throat> child has 10 influences and you're only allowed to have three. Oh, you definitely. still had a disadvantage. <laughs> you know what I mean? A, a, a huge disadvantage. Huh? A huge disadvantage. Exactly. So I shouldn't be limited uh, just because I'm trying to spare myself. I should have. You have a comic book that uplifts you. I should have a comic book that uplifts me. You have TV shows that uplift you. I, ha- I should have TV shows that uplift me. And they can't be all being created by the same folks. So therefore, I can get white images given through white eyes, and I can't get black images given through white eyes as well. That's not progress. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not, I mean, uh, we've gotten a it's gotten better. It has gotten better, and it's it's going to take time. But you have to have high, better representation in a good way within those companies and within those spaces. And I don't mean just like, hey, we got a black one. I mean people actually in positions, not just to make decisions, but who have those the same goals. They want to make good art. They want to tell good stories. It's not just about having a black face in a comic book because they've had those for a long time. They still have them now and that they're not necessarily good by default. You want quality characters. That's what, and not copies of other characters. But part of that comes from the reasons they made Superman again was to give them a, a sense of place, sense of being, and also also a power fantasy. Yeah. They were drawing from, even if you look at Superman's story, they're drawing from some, you know, Jewish ideas. Part of the us not having that kind of a balance in media is because what do you draw from? So going back, we, we have to have uh, a way to really pull our roots and move them forward. And I don't mean just like with a fictional one like Wakanda. You know, that, that was kind of a catch-all for everybody since we don't know where everybody came from. <laughs> you can just come from a fictional place. What kind? Did you see this uh, series on Netflix? <clears throat> Which one? Yasuki. It's, a, it's an anime. Yasuki. No, I haven't. Um, it's produced by a brother by the name of LaShawn Thomas, and it, it's uh, voiced the stars of Keith Stanfield, a famous comedian from uh, Atlanta. And so it's about a black... Uh, uh, well, it's a two-story technically. Uh, it is a true story about a black samurai. A guy but a massive descent ends up in Japan as a slave and mm-hmm. then becomes a, a, a samurai. So they have a, you know, you know, and you've seen anime before, so you know the whole uh, stylistic uh, approach yeah. they have. Uh, but I actually thought that was halfway healthy. You know, um, you know, you, you, you I mean, it's got, telling a true story, so hey, can't go true wrong. True story. Start. Um, you've got black creators, right? It's created by, you know, black, uh, um, I guess, uh, producers and um, uh, voiced by, by black actors. And so I thought that was passable. Oh. <laughs> it was healthy. I was healthy. I was <clears> it's, it's a, my problem, my only, it's not even, I can't even say it's really a problem because, you know, worst case scenario, start your own production house and publish it. My thing is, like, if you look at a, a publisher like Marvel, right? Been around for a long time. But Almost on bankrupt. Yeah, oh, several times. <laughs> you know, that that became a habit for them for a while. But it's one thing to have a character. Like, okay, good example. When we're talking about not having any variety, how many different characters do you have drawn from Norse culture? Local um, or, you know... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you, you go over to, you know, you have Hercules. You have different representations of all these different parts of Western culture, but you completely leave out, you know, any type of 
African culture, Asian culture, you still have all these stories that you could draw from and make whole characters, deep characters. They would have contributed to these teams, but there was never that. And I don't think it may have, it, on the part of a lot of these creators, you know, it, it wasn't have been malice if you look at a lot of, especially, you know, in the comics industry. It, it was a pretty liberal space. It, it's just yeah. a blind spot. And it's probably not through any real fault of their own that they weren't raised in that environment. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, part of me says, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you know I don't yeah. really want again <clears throat> experience through the white gaze or black superheroes through the white gaze. I want that independent of that, so we can and and so therefore you got to have the right person, right? Not, not every yes, not every brother or sister is uh, has the right mind to um, to create that in a healthy way. Right, they, sure. they might, you know, white education is really messes up. <laughs> well, and one thing with the comic industry and you know print media like that, it, you can have a character created by one person, but it doesn't stay in their hands all the time either. You know, you'd have a character like John Stewart, who's a Green Lantern. There have been several artists and writers who have handled it over time. You know, he wasn't the original Green Lantern, but he is like one of the most popular ones, and he's a black guy. You know. Yeah. So, it's an interesting space. It's a, it's a strange part of literature, and it's an interesting phenomenon, Western phenomenon. The only other thing you can really compare it to would be manga. So, speaking of Superman, <laughs> yeah, uh, this Israeli stuff is going pretty pretty interesting. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's been a couple of attacks in Manhattan. Like, uh, I guess they. Yeah. I, I, no, I mean, will I get in trouble if I say this? I don't know if, I'm, if I get in trouble if I say this. Um, pro-Palestinian people attacking Jews in New York? That don't sound really. No. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. That don't really sound. Now, attacking? And it's like, are you crazy? Like, really? I, I mean, I, took, I, I don't mean to, 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 to poke it could. Them. I mean, it could happen, but at the same time... In New York? It, it, it'd be oh. unusual. Trying to get lynched out <laughs> Well, you know what? <clears throat> no one should well, live in fear. No one should live in a culture well, of fear. With no so, and, and they sh- and they should be able to speak their mind. You know, yeah, absolutely. Clean the spaces, thank you. I do and, think you it's know, good that you know the tide is actually turning and people are realizing that you know just screaming anti-semite is should not be enough to shut down a discussion of what the hell's going on in your face and what what's um what when we a few weeks back we had a discussion can america survive america mm-hmm. I, i'm up the i'm up the understanding that certain conflicts will never end I don't know. Um, I mean, you you can only hope for some kind of uh, decency and respect for mankind, but I don't even think that exists. I do. I, I think people huh? on the. I think people on the most part are pretty decent. It's just when you get large interests involved, and I don't mean money interests, but large group interests, then that's when people's animal side can really come out. I mean. I mean, these guys are selling missiles. I mean, there's there's buildings that are completely leveled. Uh, you know what I mean? I can only imagine. I, I know they didn't knock on the door and say if the buildings are empty before they leveled them. I mean, I, I don't even know what the death count is. But and yeah, I don't. You're, see you're still no, dis- okay, but now those people are still displaced. Even if you even if you clear out a building, all right, you've destroyed a building. Now you've got to deal with the homeless population. <laughs> so. You, you still, you know, they're alive, yeah, well, which is great. I'm saying, but I'm saying they're not alive. I'm saying I think they're dead. <laughs> no, no. I'm, they're the ones, either way, you know, either you've just murdered a bunch of people or you've just displaced a bunch of people. Either way. And you're, what, what was the goal? If the goal is to stop, you know, Hamas, then you still, you haven't done that. Exactly. That's not going to work. And you know that's not going to work. That's the thing, and I think that's the thing that has pissed everyone off to the point where they're just like, "All right, enough." What because do you think is needed the same to shit. resolve that conflict? What's needed to resolve that conflict is we need to actually put our foot down too, because we do keep Israel able to do its bullshit. It's like having a bad kid that you always cover for. 
It's like having Hunter Biden as a kid. <laughs> They're never going to learn to do anything for themselves. Very apropos. You know, and it's not that they can't do anything for themselves. Israel is a very capable state, but that's the problem. They, they get to do whatever the fuck they want. And no state should be able to do that. Or else you will end up with it. Just like if you do with a person, if they have that much power, they're going to be corrupt. And that's what you have here. People, you know, the biggest thing that's getting everyone in trouble now is calling it an apartheid state. Okay, well, if you have unequal justice for people, you have to call it what it is. You know, if the reason for it is why, because you have violence, well, why do you have the violence? Someone said uh, Israel can have a choice. It can either be a democratic state or it can be a Jewish state. It can't be both. Okay. Yeah, you know, I thought that was well said. You know, once you, you consider yourself a Jewish nation, which Israel does, that means democracy doesn't really exist. And therefore, you're never really going to have a fair state where you have equal treatment. I mean, are, is it going to be an actual theocracy? I mean, if that's the case, it, it can just be a secular state, but then it can't be a religious state. You can't have it both ways. You want to actually have other groups there. And they do have other groups there. you got Christians and crap there. That I mean, it's where all that stuff, one of the areas a lot of it started. So, yeah, you could have peace in the Middle East. You could have a, as much as you could in Europe. You know, we make fun of the Middle East as always being in conflict, but the two major world wars started in the same spot. So, That's right. we're not exactly peaceful either. And if we're going to be real, real about it, a lot of the problems that we have in the Middle East and the Near East and other places as well are because these motherfuckers ran around cutting up the map to their desires. That's and right. We're still dealing with the fallout from that. So that That's might right. be a good place to start looking if we're really yeah. to resolve some of these conflicts. In the spirit of Sankofa, always look back before you move forward. Absolutely right. Actually, I think this is a good time to take our first break of the evening. Uh, sit right, that sit tight, brothers and sisters, Africans and Africanettes. This is on the Wake Up Radio, The Appeal. Uh, we're going to be right back. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. On the Wake Up Radio, this is The Appeal, a.k.a. Walkersville. Shout out to the sister Cindy Ashby and all the other programs. You may tune in. The Woody um, the program is independent, right? So, uh, freedom of speech, whether the First Amendment matters. Uh, I am Oz Bryant and my co-host. Rob, sometimes they call me one. Yeah, man. Um, uh, as you're talking about the... Uh, I was going to segue into to the Black Manifesto. Again, last week we discussed um, Charles Diggs Jr. and uh, the, the first iteration of uh, the Black Congressional Caucus. I uh, really put in some demands, 60, 61 demands to Richard Nixon. Wasn't heard, but you know, that, the, that, that's the point. The, the purpose of representation is to make sure issues stay on the table. I mean, um, yes, they may they may try to go around it, ignore it, but your job is to be persistent, put the issues on the table. And then um, uh, this week uh, came across uh, a couple of interesting events and organizations. This Black Manifesto uh, was written in 1969, so that's right after Martin Luther King was killed. Uh, this is where we're steadily, thoroughly in the Black Power movement. Uh, and uh, there's a request for $500 million in reparations from white churches and synagogues for their participation in slavery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this, uh, this Black Manifesto came out of a National Black Economic Development Conference in Detroit in the same year. And uh, it was, um, I guess, the delegates who were there uh, voted uh, 187 to 63 uh, to, to, to pass it. And uh, George Foreman... Uh, George Foreman, uh, who was uh, <laughs> uh, the name of few, uh, part of SNCC, uh, he was a part of the Black Panther Party, and uh, an organization that I recently heard about called the League of Revolutionary Black Workers in Detroit. Um, Detroit, there was, some, I mean, real socialism. I mean, real, <laughs> real power to the people, power to the workers. Um, there was the Detroit Revolutionary Union Movement also. And he went into Riverside Church. So the, 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 the famous Riverside Church that, uh, human, uh, that uh, MLK uh, denounced the Vietnam War at probably 
two years before, and he took over the pulpit. They wouldn't let him speak. James Foreman took over the pulpit. The pastor had the organist turn up the music loud <laughs> to drown him out, and then um, had the parishioners or the members of the congregation actually leave the building. <laughs> but uh, you got to admire James Foreman's courage uh, for speaking truth to power, even when they try to shut you down and close the doors um, and being consistent. Um, uh, yeah, but the, the idea that uh, we people have always, there was, I guess there was a point in time, as we said at the top of the show, where this was normal, yeah. where organizations were coming together and it was normal to say, now you owe us. Uh, there, there are damages. I believe you don't, you can't believe in justice and not believe in reparations. Justice is a scale. When the scales are out of place, justice says, let's put those scales back in balance. Mm-hmm. Right? And because you've never been repaired, the scales have never been put back in balance. And I'm well, not saying that. Um, we get away uh, with a lot of that because part of the American myth is that, well, if you just work hard enough, you know, you you too can be a millionaire. You know, you're just one lotto ticket or one, you know, lucky break or invention away from being the next Elon Musk. So a lot of people will buy into that, especially now, you know, last couple of generations. So they blame themselves for not having achieved that and just struggling yeah. enough to be middle class. So you're not looking for any type of where the damages were or why you're starting behind the eight ball, so to speak. I think that's part of it for the entire working class. And when you start off on the bottom of the working class, then you're, you start off at a disadvantage. Point blank. You don't have the, the material resources to go out there and fail the same way that someone else does. You know, there's, and I'm, I feel bad even using an example like, you know, someone like uh, Mitt Romney, but you do have a lot of mofos out there with the point of view. It's like, well, why don't you start a business? Just go and borrow, you know, a couple of thousand dollars from your dad, like I did, and, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. For an entire class of people, that's just not possible. So the best way is, you know, learn a trade and hope for the best. I remind folks that that, uh, after slavery, uh, there was talk of your 40 acres in your mule, uh, which you never got. Uh, slavery ended in 1865. You never got your 40 acres in the mule. But there was a Homestead Act of 1863, three years before, where they <laughs> gave away free land and oh, yeah. from overseas. <laughs> but when it came out for you, there was nothing left. Oops. People who came here, put nothing into the country, got free land, Three years before you, after you didn't fall away for generations. I mean, put it in context. Mm-hmm. There's people who still own property today from that Homestead Act of 1862. And you never got nothing. I'm just saying, justice <laughs> means that the scales are out of balance and they have to be put back in balance. I mean, you're right, Rob. I mean, but I, I'm just saying, again, the spirit of St. Coco, you got to look back. If you look back enough with the right I, you can look back and not see any of it. Sure. But if you but look again, back... We to, don't have that kind of organization. We don't have that kind of organization with that mindset or looking for those things. Right now, most people, if they're looking at an idea of, for reparations, what, what are they looking for? What are they looking to get out of it? What type of reparations are they looking to... What, you're right. And those are conversations we need to have. Cause I'm, I, I'm up to school of thought that reparations is not monetary. Right, because uh, we don't have enough institutions yet. Because all we would end up doing is um, giving it back. <laughs> you know, well, um, it, it would have to look like oh, reparations, free education if you go to HBCU, and then and then the government funds it, you know, something like that. So therefore, now you're actually encouraging support of black institutions, and but then you know then they'll just move out black administrations from those institutions and place them away. You got a bunch of white professors. You got a bunch of white professors teaching <laughs> teaching at these schools too. So uh, there's you know, something so wrong with the way our institutions have grafted themselves onto the current power structure. Because you have again, you have other groups within America who have 
more powerful representation, who is more active in getting tangible results for those groups, like the Asian American, Asian and Pacific Americans. They have, <laughs> yeah, they are on it, you know, uh, and to their credit, you know, uh, uh, the infamous APAC, who, who we just covered some of their connections in the last segment. Right. You know, that's a, the you know. Our Jewish brothers and sisters are a good example of using their diaspora to their advantage. Israel so, would not be as powerful as it is with, if it were not for the Jewish population here in America flexing absolutely. their Absolutely. Yeah, sure, that's true. But, yeah. but the, yeah, the difference is, and um, uh, I'm not sure what I was watching today or something, and they talked about, actually, I was listening to the old Malcolm X speech. That's what I was doing. And he talked about how the Jews came out of Egypt, you know, in, in, in Genesis and Exodus, or what have you. Um, but they came out knowing they were Jews. Mm-hmm. The thing here is, to our experience, our last names and our language were taken. This is very unique, even for slaveholding civilizations. This is yeah. very unique <laughs> to take the name and to take the language. So mm-hmm. therefore, you come, you don't, you come in as an African. And you leave with something else. Which That's means what that I said before that we're the first American product, dude. By but doing I don't, that, I don't like to see my, I don't. I don't like to think of us as, in a way, yes. But that's like saying we're something new. I we would say that you know, we are a new people on this planet. Yes, I would are. say we're not. We were something before then. We didn't. God, they didn't make us. God made us. God made us. Centuries ago, when he made everybody else, he was supposed to be the original man. Africa is supposed to be the cradle of civilization. How, how is, America? But that's civilization. okay. It's no, not no, about no, it being the cradle. It's not about America being a cradle of civilization. It's about us being a new type of people onto the planet. But, but, okay. well, I don't, but, then, but then you're forever. That means you can never catch up because you think of yourself sure you as a new being. You can't. You can't have a five-year-old compete against a nineteen-year-old. No, you can't. That's not even a fair race. <laughs> You can't have a 30-year-old compete against you, a 15-year-old. That's not a fair race either. If you honestly see yourself in those terms, I don't. I just because we are a new type of people. Onto the, the, That's what we're being new in. You no, still develop yourself. If you know how feel, long it takes to develop a, a civilization? If to develop a culture, who, an idea, and values, and standards? If those, white folks, if those white folks who founded this country thought that being a new type of people onto the planet was a detriment, they don't. They would have done speak English. They don't think of someone no. That's why they speak English. They speak, they speak English because they didn't want to make a new language. That would be pointless. They broke away from England to create an entirely new empire. And now no, when, and, when, and, when, and, and they still make sure they have a close relationship with England. That's what they did. They still make sure they have it. Even today, they still have a close relationship with England. And, they still and what is that relationship? Right. Who is the head of that relationship? People still Who is refer the to them head of the Western but you're denying, you are doing your best right now to deny the fact that that, in your words, seven-year-old became the leading head of the Western hegemon. There is nothing wrong with being that new type of man. There's nothing wrong with embracing being a new person. I don't think they became a leading by themselves. They, they had to, that's why they developed the relationship, because they couldn't do it without England and Europe and France and Germany. They couldn't do it without them. They couldn't. African Americans, Black that, that, Americans have a choice that we need to make. We can either embrace what we are and be Americans and be the best goddamn Americans that we are. Nobody or we can but, try but to American be half and half. But your country doesn't treat you like an American. When America doesn't treat you like America, why would you want America to do that? America doesn't treat you... anyone like an American unless you yes, force it, it to. <laughs> unless you <laughs> force it to, it will treat yes, you like does. shit at no, every no, opportunity. No, 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 no. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay. It's just Jews, very American, without, it never, and it doesn't do anything bad to them at all. We just it, it, covered why. We just is, covered why. Because they stuck together and they embraced the fact of what they are. As long as you keep some, one foot in being as long as you continue to see ourselves as being half missing and not either just, like Malcolm X said, either cutting it off and moving forward or embracing what you have, and making something new will always be hobbled. And we no, won't be able to I move forward you, like those you, other groups. You understand what you were, that you just didn't start as slavery. Then you, you become uh, fuller. That's natural. That, that goes without saying, but you can't just be stuck in that. That's When Malcolm X did drop the, and adopt the X, he didn't stop there. He kept making new shit. 
and embracing it and putting it out there for other people to come on into. And that's what we need to be doing. That's what these organizations aren't doing. And that's why they're failing. And that's why the good new organizations like AAPI aren't fucking up and failing. They embrace the fact of what they are no, and moving forward. They're copying forward. us. They're copying why, us. If they're copying us, then why the hell are they doing them more? That's a cop That is a cop they they have their own institutions. I'm not sure what you. They're not. They're they have their own institutions. They're employing their own folks. I'm not sure they're doing not doing they're more. Employing their own folks. Yes, they are. Look at their look at their media image and look at ours. Look at how hard we got to fight. They have their own media. They have their own freaking country. Again, since we do not, since we can't all use the diaspora the same way. Again, the Jews use their diaspora in an effective way. We don't have that same advantage, so I'm not going to. I can look at where they have success, but I'm not going to look to copy their model because you can't. So you do. You work with the tools you have, and we need to actually be as aggressive as we were in the '50s, and the '60s, and the '70s. That's what was different. That's what is missing. They had that type of motivation because they did realize, yes, we were coming out of slavery, and yes, we are this unique people. We are Americans, but America don't like us. Too fucking bad. We're here anyway. I don't know about that. See, if somebody asks me to leave the house, I'll leave. If somebody says, you can't be a part of me, I'm not begging. I am a, I am a God made me. I'm a God's child. I'm a human being. I'm somebody. I, again, I, I am black, <laughs> but I'm made not it. going to someone that you doesn't made it and me. you're going to leave it? Hell no. You don't leave anything on the table. I if didn't say gonna... you leave it. I never said you leave it. I said you don't claim nobody that don't claim you. So then you claim your own. Again, what are you going to yeah. do? You needed to get your shit together and be like the Mormons and claim a stake. That's what's missing. Okay. But but you can't continue to just be like, oh, well, you know, fuck, what do we do now? You, you move forward. And that's what these institutions are doing that we're not. That's why you see that kind of progress. Well, I, I what I... Well, one of the things I was also listening to, uh, Malcolm gave a speech and said the function of black nationalism uh, is to educate voters, educate the people so that they're sophisticated, that they can identify people who can represent and advocate for them in this system of democracy. If you're going to vote, the responsibility of those is to make sure that we're making the best decisions possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was very appropriate. I mean, for... um, When you saw the schools debate, when they were talking about the special programs in schools, right? All those Asian parents got together. They weren't Pakistani parents. They weren't Chinese parents and Korean parents. They were Asian parent groups. Now, if we do some shit, you're going to have a Haitian group, and you got the Jamaicans over here, and then you got the African-Americans over here, and then what ends up happening? Not a goddamn thing. That's the difference. That's why we don't have study groups and buildings and shit in our neighborhoods. And they got after-school study programs that they force their kids into. That's why they end up in those special access programs. Yeah, and I'm of the belief that the Jamaican and Haitian, that delineation is ineffective and harmful as well. It's very divisive. You can't, you can't unite by telling me how different you are. Again, that's why we use the term black. But Back they have, the but they have distinct cultural differences. By us, and being, they also have distinct cultural similarities as well. Because they, they all derive from the same damn thing. Well, well they they're There's not looking by black being a baseline for them. If you talk to your average Jamaican, at least the Jamaicans that I have, they don't see it the same way. If you look at an African American, our experiences is different than a Jamaican. We both came across on the on the middle passage. We both speak English. <laughs> there ain't I mean, a Jamaican alive today that remembers the middle passage. And that's the problem. They're looking at it as they identify more with a fucking reggae star than they do anybody in Africa. That's well, that, just yeah, a, that, so if well, I'm going to organize and work with them, I can't appeal to them the same way I would someone who identifies as a, an African. They're a Jamaican with Jamaican parents and a Jamaican American who's trying to make it in America. And 
in a black American yeah, yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So that's the challenge. The challenge is we came into slavery as Africans, and we came out a whole bunch of other different stuff, and that's what probably needs to be repaired. That's why I think we need reparations, because we actually don't have, that doesn't exist. We came out, we came into this as Africans, across the middle package. Uh, the slave owners are the same, right? They were, they were, they were British there, but they were French there, they had cousins, right? But somehow we believe ourselves to be different or new now, right? And then that's what keeps us divided. Because it's a yeah. semantics game. That was the that was the rule number one when they started setting up America was we had to keep it separated because we can't. Back in the old country, it was easier to divide and conquer, because now it was just along economic and class lines. Here it was a little bit different because we, we were trying to get rid of those class lines for ourselves and set ourselves up as the new aristocracy. But I got to exactly. still maintain the rabble, and I got to keep the rabble separated. So how do I do that? It's just a, it's the same problem. They just used a slightly updated solution, and we're still dealing with the fallout of that solution without ever trying to actually look at the solution that was used and saying, "Yeah, that was pretty fucked up." Nobody wants to look at that central first cause, and it would it wouldn't just affect black people; it would affect America across the board if you actually hey, look. Slavery's at it. like this. Slavery's like this. Uh, it's like a playing a game of um, musical chairs. You only identify with what you identify with because that's where you were when the music stopped. Mm -hmm. But please believe, for those 200 years, you went wherever the hell they put you. You could have been in New York today, Virginia the next day, Bahamas the next day, uh, Louisiana. There is no rhyme or reason to how you were moved around. You didn't stay one place. You didn't come off the ship and just land where you were and that's where you were for 200 years. Please believe that. You were, it was, there were slave trade throughout the entire region for 200 years. Mm -hmm. So we really don't know what we are. That's why that, 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 that is very damaging. Um, because again, we can't, when they take away the identity is the most damaging part of our experience. Not even the free labor. If the free labor, if you do the free labor, but you still have your African identity that you came in with, then we wouldn't have the problems we have now because we would still see ourselves as one people. Once you start uh, uh, taking away languages and last names, and now people got to start from scratch, then we get what you get. You get people who you said you said don't remember the Middle Passage, even though everybody came across on the Middle Passage. It's on the Western Hemisphere. Every black person on the Western Hemisphere came across the Middle Passage. <laughs> I mean, that's just how that's how it is. <laughs> and if you want to tell me that you don't remember that, then your education is because you don't. Well, because you don't have a you do not have the same. It was purposely done so you don't have the same kind of cultural impact that an Exodus-like story does for a group of people like the Jews. Because that's that's exactly what the Middle Passage would be. It would be a grand exodus story. Part of it. So by not recognizing it in that way, you do keep us still separated. And it's impossible for them to, or many people, to have a united interest or a united front. Again, that's why the further back in history you go, you do see a more united efforts. I don't know any way to repair that and make people come back together. That's why you have to understand why well, it, see focusing it has to be just on that. You it can't force that. People have to come to that on their own. You can't force That's it. True. That's true. Well, so I mean, making that the focus is it's more divisive over time than anything. You, you don't gain support with it because you're only going to get people who are already halfway there anyway. I mean, uh, you know, it's again, again, that's why we get, we love on the wake of radio because it's conversations like these where things become clear. I mean, we forgot a lot of this stuff. You know what I mean, we, we, we saw things are so much clearer. Like I'm amazed that, um, uh, 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 Richard Allen, right. Mm -hmm. Born a slave, mm -hmm. still aware that he's an African calls his church, the African Methodist Episcopalian AME, right. The idea that we were so clear, we were we were so much more advanced coming out of slavery. I mean, we understood so much because more because there was no room for confusion. Well, my uh, my my mentor, 
right? Um, uh, is from uh, uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's from a small town called Ahaski. And um, there was a guy who used to talk funny, but he never thought nothing of it. He even called him his uncle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until he was a grown man <laughs> that he realized, and the, and the guy came up to New York, and he went to go see somebody, that he realized, oh, the guy was Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, because that doesn't come into play in, in, in areas where it's just black and white. We, we understand, oh, I'm a black man. The other stuff yeah. don't even come into play. <laughs> yeah. what, what is that? That, <laughs> that yeah. level that level of distinction brings all of your options into much clearer focus. But now when you're more concerned with the trivial things, the more the more things the, the parts of society, because it isn't constantly kicking you in the face, it's easier to fall into, oh, this is the norms and be accepted on a different level. You still may have some disadvantages, but it's not the same. It's nowhere near as harsh. It's a totally different level of acceptance. So the fight has to change. You cannot, we cannot keep talking to people like, we're still in the bowels of the slave ship. The, the battle has changed. Well, you know, I mean, we, I've been disagreeing on that one because I do believe the more clear you see that you are, right? Uh, uh, of course, says the only way to be free, the only way to be truly free is to first acknowledge that you're enslaved. If you, because a lot of folks deny it. They could be enslaved and deny it. No, I'm not. This is the way it's supposed to be. The more you wake up to the fact that you are, you could have been George Floyd. I could have been George Floyd. Mm-hmm. The more aware, acutely you aware of that, the more things become easy to understand. The, yeah. the, the, the more you say, okay, that, that, that just happened. That's, that's him. That was Minnesota. That was so far away. That was last year. And you distance yourself from it. Then you get to this where you, you kind of separate yourself. But the closer you become to it, right? Look it in the face. Smell it. Taste it. Then you things become clear. Then you understand. Oh, yes, I am just another nigga, <laughs> right? But that's that's a difference that's between an effective fight. modern fight and an ineffective older campaign, and that's that's why we've been losing ground for so long. That's why we could end up with the first black president like Barack Obama and get nothing out of it, except for bailouts for Wall Street. How the fuck does that happen? But before we <laughs> before we uh, we shift gears a little bit before we uh, we, we go in close on the time. Um, so the the I mentioned earlier about the Tallahassee bus boycott again. The struggle is continuing. Um, the the two sisters who uh, sparked that uh, that was today back in 1956 were Wilhelmina Jakes and Carrie Patterson, two students at Florida A University. HBCU stand up, and um, you know that boycott didn't last as long. It only lasted for from May 28th until December 22nd, and that was it. I mean, I guess especially coming off the heels of the Montgomery bus boycott, um, you know, they were able to integrate uh, that. I mean, for what it's worth, right? <laughs> but hey, uh, you know, it, that one success builds momentum. So good. And I, I just like to see black folks working together on some projects. It ain't about whether you're successful or not. That's why, even why, you know, I, I love that. But again. That was beautiful because they had a goal too, though it worked because they had a set goal. You know, don't you think they all have goals? No, not all the time. I, I would argue that, like on 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 all the folks, when you're struggling for black liberation, black human rights, you always have a goal. Some strategies are better than others, um, and some strategy we may agree with or disagree with. But I think they I'm all not have talking a, about, a strategy is do we have a sit-in? Do we have a march? That's a strategy. A goal is do we want this police department to stop doing A, B, or C? Do we want legislation to enact A, B, or C? Those are goals. And all the time, we don't always have goals. I've worked with lots of different groups. So have you. And you know sometimes the goal is just to show up. That's not effective. <laughs> that we have some large numbers. <laughs> it helps to have large numbers, but if I just have large numbers, that doesn't mean anything to these people. You know, I could, as a consultant, I could go out there and get large numbers to like do whatever. Being a party it's like being a party promoter. 
No, it isn't in this case. I disagree because if you really want to get a, po a political to do your will and be afraid like they need to, then it takes more than just large numbers. It takes large numbers with a purpose. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> and I don't, I, and again, we, we, I disagree with you there as well. So I don't think large, and you know, I was joking saying it. Uh, large numbers aren't that big of a deal. Uh, I'd rather have a small group of really dedicated uh, folks than large numbers because, uh, again, remember Dead Maravici at the top of the show. Um, one of his concerns is that the uh, too many people knew about the plan. And of course, yeah. somebody snitched. And so therefore, him, <laughs> the large numbers were, were ineffective in that case, in many cases. Uh, even if you, if you take time out to read Irritated Genie by Dr. David Carruthers in the Haitian Revolution, the objective is to whittle out your strong ones, your weak ones. So you're only left with your strong core, right? I'd rather have five good soldiers than a hundred weak ones. You know? Yeah. So, um, no snitches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no snitches, exactly. Snitches get snitches. You know, um, but uh, Denmark. That's how they got Kevin. That's how they got Malcolm. So if you have yeah. uh, uh, I forgot the name of the. It's in uh, ha yeah, Hampton Park. You gotta. It's uh, there's a canopy, and you gotta walk behind the canopy. I tell you that much. Mm. If you're in ha if you're in Hampton Park in Charleston, South Carolina, if you drive around the park, you're gonna find a canopy, and then you kind of gotta walk behind the canopy, and then you come across this life-size statue of Denmark Vesey. Um, uh, again, uh, one of my heroes. Uh, anybody who stands up and fights and puts their life on line for revolution, um, you become you like you become like Jesus. To me, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm like Jesus. A martyr. Uh, exactly. You know what I mean? And um, the Tulsa riots. Uh, there's a program going coming on this week, right? About the Tulsa riots. It's not the a Tulsa, riot. Yeah. That was yeah, a I'm sorry. attack. Uh, there's a there's a program I forgot what freaking bombing <laughs> they air bombed it for crying out loud there's a freaking air yeah, they, they, they did um, there's a program coming on I don't know uh, what channel but yeah there is a program coming on uh, about the the, the, the massacre um, and again uh, I, I think there's also programs talking about uh, the Red Summer mm -hmm. in Tulsa so the Red Summer happened two years earlier. Uh, 1919, um, but that was a period of time. It, the East St. Louis riots, where we were catching hell. I mean, just simply catching hell. Uh, I did come across. <laughs> I did come across a guy by the name of Joe Pollard, mm -hmm. um, uh, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Wayne um, uh, Lou references. So the reason why, again, I, I, when, I, when I look up stuff and I start researching things and it opens up other doors, so Joe Pollan was lynched in, in 1923 in Mississippi. Um, uh, so again, so this is two years after the, the, the Tulsa massacre. Uh, but what's unique about this, <laughs> Joe Pollan, uh, is that uh, he was a tenant farmer. And the white list mob came. Uh, Joe Farmer killed about four to thirteen of them <laughs> before they took it out. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, am, am I am I am I glorifying violence, Rob? Is that what I'm doing? I will. I don't. <laughs> well, yeah. They Had he done that on the battlefield, that man would have received several medals. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, he killed four to thirteen. And that's what it's about. <laughs> They, can't, they did kill him, but hey. <laughs> make him pay for every inch. Brandy make Lou him pay Hamer. for every fucking inch. Brandy Lou Haber, in an essay she wrote, says, it was a while in Mississippi before the whites tried something like that again. <laughs> Hell <laughs> But that's the thing. That That's what it takes. After Shout out to certain Mississippi. It's not about glorifying violence. That's not violence. That's self-defense. That's self-defense. Right. Thank you, sir. That is uh, your right. constitutional right. And that's another thing. <laughs> as black, if you really want to be about it and fight for our rights in this country, then we have to fight for all of them. We should embrace all of that. So um, it's about that time for us to close out. Uh, so, Rob, you have any um, 
closing words for the brothers and sisters out there in the on the wake up radio world. I think we'll leave it with that last story. They come for one, drop thirteen of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna quote Miles Davis. Happy birthday, Miles! Uh, if you understand, if you understood everything I say, you'd be me. <laughs> so, all my Africans and Africanettes, and those of you who are African adjacent, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Sister Cindy Ashby, my brother Rob. And all the other programs I want here that make On the Wake Up Radio happen. Again, check us out on OTW Tube. That's On the Wake Up. On the Wake Up. On the Wake <laughs> Tube. Uh, till next time, brothers and sisters. Much love. So here it is, y'all. Are you tired of being censored? Shadow banned? Shit, are you just tired of creating content? and making these platforms famous. Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just gotta move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them purge people a 10 second snippet, a 15 second snippet, and make them come to OTW Tube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. Because only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTW Tube is where it's at. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Cindy Ashley Production. On the wake up.